there, I'm Rachel Ehring from Dream Lavender Music, and you're listening to the Dynamic Piano Teaching Podcast, the show that dives into piano pedagogy without being stuffy. If you're a piano teacher who wants to go beyond the method book to create an engaging, innovative studio, you've come to the right place. So let's get started. Hi, friends. I'm so excited to be back with new podcast episodes for the fall. I hope that your fall semester, whatever that looks like, is shaping up beautifully. I spent the past couple of weeks freaking out about the fall schedule and how to make all the puzzle pieces work, but here we are on the other side of fall scheduling and we can all breathe a sigh of relief. While I was taking a short break from podcasting, one of the things I did was attend the National Conference on Keyboard Pedagogy in Chicago. It was such a fun experience. I encourage you to go if you ever have the opportunity. I met so many wonderful piano teachers. I spent way too much time in the exhibit hall scoping out new ways to spend money. And honestly, I got so many ideas for the podcast. I can't wait to share with you some of the people and the products that I discovered there. If you can't tell, I'm really stoked about my fall podcast plans, so we should probably get started with my first guest. Today I'll be talking to Holly Hornion of Clever Keys Music Lessons. She has a really practical and creative resource to share with us called Piano in Five. I'll let her describe it to you, but it's a resource to help parents who are struggling with how to assist their young kids in practicing. Of course, this podcast is always for piano teachers, but Holly and I formatted this episode so that you can share it with parents who might need some guidance on helping their child learn how to practice. She gives some really practical tips for establishing a routine and making practice time fun. So before I give it all away, here's my interview with Holly. Welcome to the show, Holly. I'm so excited to have you here today. Can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your teaching studio and business? Sure. My name is Holly Hornian, and I live in Phoenix, Arizona. I've been teaching piano for about 15 years. Uh, Three years ago, I started my studio, Clever Keys Music Lessons, and I teach mostly um, beginners and early intermediate students. And my goal is just to give them a strong foundation and to build lifelong lovers of music. I love that. So today we are going to focus specifically on a resource that you've created called Piano in Five. Can you share with our listeners a little bit about the Piano in Five resource? Sure. So Piano in Five is essentially an all-in-one practice kit to help parents who may or may not have a musical background create a fun and easy practice routine with their kids. So in it, I walk them through the steps of how to create a practice routine with some tips and tricks. And then I also have 25 minute practice activities along with video demonstrations just to make it really clear for them. Nice. So 20 activities that are five minutes each is that, did I get that right? Yes. (laughs) Okay. Got it. (laughs) Um, And is this a downloadable PDF resource or what is the format of the resource? So it's a downloadable PDF and in it, I have the links to the videos. They can click on the name of the activity and it'll direct them to the videos to see the demonstration. And then also any resources are linked as well. So I just want to make everything in one place for the parent to keep it super convenient. But I myself am a very 
analog person. So for my studio, I printed out a copy just because I like to have the physical copy at hand. Sure. I'm the same way. (laughs) Okay, great. So um, when I first heard about it before I had seen it, I was wondering how it works with all different method books, because it seems like it would be hard to create a resource that works for everyone doing all different methods and maybe some without methods and such. So can you share a little um, about that, how it works across the board? Yeah, sure. So I designed this more to be a framework for parents to create their own practice routine rather than instructing them on the ins and outs of their students' assignments. So Basically, I'm just giving them a structure and then within that structure, giving them some ideas for activities that kind of hit the different musical elements that would be found in all the method books that they would be using, like pitch and rhythm, playing with artistry, et cetera. Okay, got it. And you shared the PDF with me and I love it. And when I looked at it, I was like, oh, it's really obvious that you could use this with any song, any method book, um, because we're teaching music, right? So the basics of music are, you know, the same across all the methods, you know, kids are learning dynamics, they're learning um, high and low and Mm -hmm. keyboard geography and all of those things. So um, once I saw it, it made a lot of sense. And one of the things I appreciated about it is that there are, there's a wide variety of activities and a lot of Mm -hmm. different things in there, but it didn't feel overwhelming. Like it felt like just the right amount of activities. You know, there's plenty to choose from without being like a hundred pages of stuff you have to wade through. So I thought, I thought you did a great job with it. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. That was one of my um, main focuses. So I'm glad that came across is to make it simple because I feel like, especially if you're a parent that doesn't have a musical background, it can feel really overwhelming and foreign trying to help your kids. So I was like, how can I make this as simple as possible and as easy to understand as possible. And I wanted it to be um, also they could pick and choose what they wanted to focus on. So you don't have to implement everything at once. It's like you could sure. pick one thing and just do that and then add as you feel more comfortable. Yeah. Nice. Do you, so is it mostly parents purchasing the resource for themselves to use with their kids? Or is it more teachers who are recommending it to parents or teachers? Um, I don't know. What is What has the audience been for the resource? So right now, I'd say it's a pretty even combo between teachers wanting to use it in their studio to educate their parents and then also parents that stumble across my Instagram and want to try out some of the activities, which initially I wasn't thinking I would get as many teachers reaching out which has been really great and fun because I've got to meet a lot of nice, fun people and learn a lot from them as well. Yeah. And I think a lot of teachers um, probably are looking for a way to communicate parents how to help their kids. And we'll talk a little more about that in a couple of minutes here. But since you mentioned your Instagram, Mm -hmm. um, you have so much stuff on your Instagram. I was scrolling through and I started to go down a rabbit hole because you have so much valuable information there. Can you share maybe some of your favorite advice that you've put on Instagram? Sure. Thank you, first of all. Okay. So I think the main thing I'm trying to hit home with my Instagram feed is that piano practice doesn't have to be a complicated thing. So I think practicing piano 
I kind of relate it to like exercise. <laughs> it's like something you know you should do, but you kind of put it off. You think it might be boring or hard or it's going to take a lot of time. And people tend to be pretty all or nothing about it, even myself included sometimes. If you think, oh, I can't sit down for a good chunk of time or if I can't have my student sit down and practice for 30 minutes, it's not worth it. We'll just do it tomorrow. But I wanted to show parents, hey, it's okay if you're busy. We're all busy. If you are making small, meaningful steps, then you're going to see progress regardless. So even if you can only show up for five minutes or 10 minutes a day, like but if you do it consistently over time and you're intentional about those five or 10 minutes, you are still going to see progress, which is going to be rewarding and kind of build on itself. And also like with exercise, I feel like once you get started, it's easier to keep going too. So you might sit down and be like, okay, I can do five minutes, but then you find yourself practicing for a longer time. Yes. I, I really like that. And when you were talking, it reminded me just this morning, I have a six-year-old son and he's just kind of starting piano and we haven't really gotten into a, any kind of practice routine or anything yet. But um, this morning he was going around singing this song and it, there were only two notes to it. And I thought he could play that on the piano. And so I just took him over to the piano and I was like, you could play this. It's just these two notes. And I had him like figure out the rhythm. And it was just like a super short little you know, minute at the piano, but he learned something. He was like, wow, I sang a song and then I figured out how to play it on the piano. Yeah. So you don't need an an hour or even 30 minutes to, to play. Yeah. That's so cool. That's a good story too. And now he knows like, oh, maybe he'll try to figure out another song he comes up with next time. Yes. Now, of course, I'm at an advantage because I know music and play <laughs> yeah. the piano. So we're going to talk about parents who yeah. don't don't have that. Um, so let's kind of get into that. I think some parents who have no musical background, they feel really lost. I, um, I work at a conservatory and we offer daytime lessons to students at the school. And so they come over during the day. My music teachers pick them up and take them back to their classroom. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the teachers don't even meet the parents. And so I think some of our parents feel really out of the loop and lost. Um, can you speak to that a little bit and how to communicate with those parents and how those parents can help their kids at home? Yeah, I think that's a great, a great point. Cause there are a lot of times where you don't have direct interaction with the teacher, like you just drop them off, pick them up and you don't see the teacher. So I have two pieces of advice. The first one is don't be afraid to reach out to the teacher, email them or text them because most teachers are more than happy to answer any questions that come up during the week um, because you'd rather you practice it correctly. And then instead of coming in and spending the whole week practicing it wrong, <laughs> and then you have to try to fix it. So I would say, talk to the teacher. Don't be afraid to use them as a resource. And they can probably even give you some pointers that you can use as well at home. And the second thing would be to talk to your child and go over their assignments right after their lesson while it's still fresh in their mind as well. See what they've been working on. Talk to them. See if they have any questions about their assignments. So that way, when you go to the teacher, you can say, hey, you assigned XYZ and my student had a question about this piece. And that way you can address any problems up front and they'll have a successful week of practice. Yes, that's really, really good advice. Thank you. Um, so let's come up with a little example here. 
a student comes home and they open their book to the page they're supposed to work on and the parent looks at it and it looks like Greek to them. They have no <laughs> idea what is <laughs> what all those little markings mean and everything. How can your resource help that parent? Okay. So in my resource, I do have a page, a cheat sheet of like basic musical terms and their definitions. And um, when we're using the activities as well, if you click on the link to see the video, I'll kind of describe what some of those things might be like dynamics means how loud or soft you're playing. And here's what it's going to look like in the music. So that way the parents can just easily find those things and navigate it. Because it is a bit of a decoding exercise, I feel like. <laughs> it is. And then can you give us an example of one of the activities in the Piano in 5 resource that a parent could do with their child to help with the practicing? Yeah, sure. So one of the activities is called Cruise the Keyboard. And in that activity, the student has to play their piece in three different registers of the piano. So low, middle, and high, which I... It, you don't know where low, middle, and high is on the piano. In the video, it shows you where that is. And then after they're done, they're asked to, the students asked to think about which register fit the piece the best and why they thought that. So it kind of hits on different things there. One, it's helping them understand the concept of high and low on the keyboard. Two, it's giving them repetition playing their piece because they have to play through it three times. And then the third thing is they're thinking critically about their music and making creative decisions. So in that exercise, we're kind of touching on three different things and it's pretty straightforward exercise, but it has several different benefits for the student. Uh-huh. I like that. That's a good one. Um, can you give some tips for establishing a practice routine? I don't know if you think, is there an ideal time of day or what is, how can parents help establish that routine? Uh, that's a great question. So um, the first thing I would do is look at your schedule with your child and see when is a consistent time of day to practice. Because if it's happening at the same time every day, that will really go a long way in establishing a habit of practice. Because if it's here, there and everywhere, it's easy to forget. <laughs> but if it's like right after snack, after school time, then they know that's when they're going to practice piano. And then the other thing I would take into account is just your child's natural energy levels and focus. So depending on your child, certain times of day might be better for them to sit down and really focus on the piano and make their time more productive. So for example, my child, like around five o'clock every night, just it's the witching hour, <laughs> turns into totally. another person. Having him sit down at the piano and try to focus probably wouldn't be the best time. So you just need to take into consideration your child's natural like ebbs and flows of energy and focus as well. Yeah. I was thinking about this recently. Um, as I admitted, my son hasn't started a good practice routine yet, but um, last year we got in some really bad habits in the morning where he would just be doing screen time or whatever um, because I had to get ready and yeah. get breakfast <laughs> and make lunch and all this stuff. So I was thinking that might be a good time where he's fresh and he would have, you know, something to do while I'm in the kitchen yeah. right next to him doing what I need to do as well. So maybe connect, you know, looking at your day and thinking when, like you said, when would be a good time. And I've also heard um, 
with habits if you connect it to something you're already doing. Like we're going to practice piano immediately after dinner or right after snack or something that you already do every day. It makes it easier to remember and incorporate it. Yeah, definitely. That's um, from Atomic Habits, the habit stacking. I love that book. So yeah, so tie it to another habit. So if you're doing it in the morning, after you finish breakfast, practice piano, which I think for younger kids, at least for my younger kid as well, the morning time, they're fresher, they have a lot of energy, they're more focused. I noticed my son is like more apt to play by himself in the morning. So he's like more independent. So that would probably be a a good time for that age. Although I would think like older kids, like middle school, they like to sleep in. So (laughs) they're a little Yeah, it might not be as as good about the child. Yes. So I know that I can tell from your resource that you're a very creative teacher. Do you have any um, favorite teaching resources or games or anything you'd want to share with the listeners outside of the Piano in Five resource? Yeah, I love um, Nicola Canton's vibrant music teaching membership. I feel like that is just like an endless um, supply of games and ideas. And she is so creative Um, for teachers, especially. I love that she will has the roadmaps to her games. So for any method, not any method book, the most popular method books that you could use, she'll tell you exactly which games go with each level. So you don't have to spend time sifting through everything to be like, oh, I need some keyboard geography games. You can just follow the roadmap and she has them. So I feel like for teachers, that is such an affordable and great resource. And she's constantly adding new things to it too. Yeah, it's a really good one. And I'll put a link to her site um, in the show notes. Holly, do you have any advice for piano teachers about communicating with parents who don't know music themselves? Um, Yes. Uh, As a music teacher, you're around music every day. You're talking about it. You're playing it. You're learning it. And it becomes commonplace for you. So you forget that things that seem simple and everyday to us, to parents, are a completely foreign concept. Like they don't know what a fermata is, you know, they don't know what a repeat sign is. So when we're communicating with parents, we want to keep that in mind. And I'm sure we all had experiences where we walk into another professional environment and they use all this lingo and acronyms and it just feels really intimidating and you have no clue what they're talking about. And I think parents can feel the same way with uh, piano lessons. So to keep the language as simple as possible demonstrate if you need to. A lot of the things, especially for beginners, aren't really that complex if you know what they mean. So if you mention like firm fingertips, that will mean nothing to the parent, but it takes two seconds to show them, hey, this is what their hand shape should look like. And when I say firm fingertips, it looks like this. And then they have that point of reference. Or you can just show them, hey, here's where middle C is on the piano. And they're pretty simple concepts. So I think just keeping it as basic as possible in how you describe things to parents and then showing them if you need to is just really helpful and makes them feel more able to help their kid when they get home. And then hopefully as the kid advances and gets to more complex uh, musical concepts, they'll be a little more independent with their own practice and they won't need to rely on their parent as much for their assistance. Yes. So for parents, if they can um, learn some of those basics along with the kids through 
your resource, watching the videos and things like that, then as the child progresses, they'll become more independent and the parent doesn't need to feel like they're going to have to do this forever. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's really good advice. It's funny. Um, when you were talking, I was thinking how sometimes when I talk to someone who doesn't know anything about music, because I've done music my whole life, I don't know what's common knowledge. You know, like there's yeah. some things like everybody knows what a piano is, but it's funny. Sometimes I'm like, do people know high and low? Or I make assumptions and I forget that not everyone knows, you know, uh, what flats and sharps are, whatever. Oh, yeah. And it's funny how much we make those assumptions. Mm -hmm. So I have a few adult students uh, that are beginners and I'll be like, oh, yeah, like harmony, melody. And they're like, what are you talking about? But to uh -huh. me, as a musician, I'm like, those are basic concepts in my mind. Everyone knows <laughs> just like red and blue. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Which uh, brings me back to a point you made earlier about parents not being scared to reach out to the teachers because the teachers don't always know what the parents don't know. You know, we have some parents who did take music as kids or, mm -hmm. I mean, we have some parents here who are actually professional musicians. And so, but the teachers don't always know that they don't know yeah. um, what the parents don't know. So don't be afraid to reach out to your your child's teacher and ask yeah. questions of them. I think most teachers are more than happy to give advice and tips. Well, Holly, this has been so fun talking to you and I really love this resource. I think it's um, so valuable for parents, especially, and as well as for teachers who want to pass it on to parents. Um, I have a few closing questions that I like to ask everyone. The first is, what is one teaching tool in your studio that you just can't live without? Okay. So I was thinking about this one. There's two. I could only, I narrowed it down to two. There's a lot of things I really enjoy. The first one business wise is using my music staff. Hmm. I feel like it's really simplified my scheduling and invoices and just made all the administrative stuff so much easier on me. So I can focus more time on teaching and then teaching wise. Um, I, can't live without my grand staff magnetic whiteboard mm, <laughs> from yes. Music Escapade Shop. I okay. use that thing every day, at least once or twice. It's so versatile. I can use it to drill notes. I can use it for quick little composing things with the kids. Um, it's just, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, that's a good one. And I'll link to the Music Escapades shop. If our listeners haven't been on there, they should check it out because they have a lot of great resources on there. Um, what is your favorite music to listen to when you are off the clock? Okay. So this sounds really non-committal, <laughs> but I love, okay. I love all kinds of music. I am seriously a jack of all trades in my listening, but I like to, I've noticed a pattern that I kind of soundtrack what I'm doing. So the music kind of fits what I'm doing. So if I'm making uh -huh. dinner, I like to have like singer songwriter, like jazz, or if I'm working out, I like pop or hip hop, you know, or if I'm on a road trip, I like to listen to country. So I've noticed I kind of soundtrack my life with music, but I, that's really interesting. Music. Yeah. I like that. Holly, is there a music teacher in your past that has had a particular impact on your teaching or performing? Yes. So I've been lucky to have several amazing teachers, but the one that stands out for me the most 
was my middle school choir teacher, Miss Julie Hackman. And she put on these amazing, elaborate musical productions every year, which I was a part of, and developed this huge program of students that really took themselves seriously as musicians. I felt like she did a great job of making us feel like professionals <laughs> and we were so invested in what we were doing and she just really had a passion for music and as a result a lot of her former students now are either professional musicians or teachers as well so it was just really great for me one because I feel like it gave me a sense of purpose to be a part of this and really ignited my passion for music but also it showed me as a teacher how important what we do can be because we never know like how even something just like a school musical can have a lasting impact on our students' lives forever. So it's just really helped me see the value in that aspect and trying to instill that love of music in my students. Yeah, I love hearing about all these amazing music teachers who they really do have a lasting impact on us. And we don't always think about it or acknowledge it, but it's true that everything we do is because of these teachers who invested in us in our past. Yeah. Thank you so much, Holly, for sharing with us. Can you tell us where um, listeners can connect with you, your Instagram, and also where they can find the Piano and Five resource? You can find me on Instagram at Clever Keys Music Lessons. You can find Piano and Five linked in the bio there, or you can also find it at stan.store slash Clever Keys Music Lessons. Great. Thank you. And I will link those in the show notes. Thank you so much, Holly, for sharing with us. And I hope that um, both teachers and parents check out this resource because I think it's so valuable and so helpful for parents and teachers alike. It was so good to talk to you, Holly. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Holly has created such a valuable resource for parents who want to help their kids practice but aren't sure where to start. I appreciate Holly's commitment to keeping the resource simple, but she still includes everything a parent needs to get their child started with good, solid practice routines. I hope you'll check out Piano in 5, and if you're a piano teacher, be sure to share this episode with parents who could benefit from Holly's resource. Until next time, happy piano teaching. <laughs>